Hey, let's open our Bibles, Matthew 22. 22. Matthew 22. Um, reviewing, look in the last part of uh, Matthew chapter 21, the stone the builders rejected, the parable of the talents. The landowner had planted a vineyard and he rented it out to others. We talked about tenants and landlords and that. But when the time came, he sent for some fruit and the tenants, they fought against him. And when the, and, 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 but then he, he, he sent many to them again and again, but then he finally he sent his son, he says, who, who he thought they would respect, but they killed him too. And we know that God sent his son, which is why we celebrate Good Friday. And all kidding aside, it was a very serious day and a very important day because our, our, you know, our eternal life is dependent upon God sending his son. But God sent his son who was rejected, and the stone that the builders rejected has become the most important stone. And, and Peter said, there's salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Jesus Christ. And uh, that verse there in the last chapter, he who falls upon this stone will be broken to pieces but he on whom it falls will be crushed. So for you and for me, fall upon the rock and be broken. Fall upon the rock and be broken, or the rock will fall upon us and we will be crushed. Today in chapter 22, we begin with the parable of the, of the wedding banquet. And I wonder, have, have, have any of you been to, ever been to a wedding? I was surprised to hear the other day that there were people that actually have not been to weddings. Any of you have not been to a wedding? Raise your hand. See, there's some of you have not ever been to a wedding. I don't know if the timing of this is the right to say this, but usually you don't go unless you get an invitation. So sorry, those of you that raise your hands. There is a very, very big wedding coming up. Right? See that up there? <clears throat> it's pretty hard to read from where you are, but it says that ER invites you. Oh, no, that's not ER. To phone home. No. <laughs> the Lord Chamberlain is commanded by the Queen to invite. And I've read some people say these were kind of cheesy invitations for a royal wedding. Right? This is the royal wedding, uh, kind of of the... Uh, of the decade to the marriage of His Royal Highness Prince William of Wales, KG, don't know what that means, with Miss Catherine Middleton at Westminster Abbey, Friday, 29th of April, 20, uh, 2011 at 11 a.m. So this is coming up very shortly, and this is like the wedding of, you know, since really, I think since uh, Prince William's parents got married, right? Charles and Diana. I mean, there, there hasn't been a wedding like this since that time. I read this, that the, the invitation was sent out to 1,900 guests, 600 of which will be invited to the Queen's reception at Westminster Abbey, and 300 which will be invited to the dinner that Prince, Prince Charles is hosting at Buckingham Palace later that evening. So it kind of gets less and less. So you had to get a special invitation to stay with the queen, and then you had to get an extra special invitation to stay with Prince Charles at 
Buckingham Palace. Would you go if you got an invitation? You know what? Even if I didn't like them, I would go. <laughs> to eat in Buckingham Palace? Are you kidding me? You wouldn't go? I've been to England many times, so this is like something. This is big. This is big. And, and to, even if you don't like the people, even if you can't stand them, I don't particularly like Charles all that much, to be honest with you, but I would go. I would definitely go. This is historic. This is huge. This is big. This is not Fios. This is big. <laughs> But you know what? Jesus is talking here about a wedding banquet that is so, so much bigger. And it lasts much longer. And guess what? I want you to know this morning that each and every one of you are invited. Amen. You are invited. <laughs> the question is will you attend? Will you attend? That's the question. That's the age-old question. That's the question we're looking at today and about the whole thing. Will you attend? Let's look at Matthew 22, verse 1. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying that the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. Again, a parable, this kind of an earthly message with an earthly story with a heavenly spiritual meaning. But we see there was a king. And he prepared this huge banquet for his son. Looking ahead to the end of the book, you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I read books, and um, hopefully you read books too. Um, but I, I sometimes want to cheat and go to the end and find out, like, what happens. You know, you could save a lot of time, really. If you just went to the last chapter, you wouldn't have to bother reading all this stuff because some people, they're really wordy, and they just, like, fill pages just to fill pages. But you want to know. They got you hooked, so you want to know what happens. So you... I'm tempted. I never do that, though. I just kind of slog ahead, push forward, and get through it, and finally I get to the end, and I go, wow, I should have went to the end. <laughs> but in Revelation chapter 19, it says, an angel said to me, write, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. Those who are invited, how blessed you are. And I think you know, I want to say that to each and every one of you, that each and every one of us have received a royal invitation to the wedding supper of the Lamb. These are the true words of God. This is big. But look what happens in verse 3. It says, He sent His servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Notice there that they had already been invited. Okay? This is really the second invitation. You know, they, the way they kind of did it, they would send out an invitation, they would invite people, but it really wasn't time yet. They wouldn't give the exact time or anything, but when it got close and when it was ready, they'd send out another invitation. Okay, maybe it's kind of like save the date, you know, like we do. And then they send the invitation. Okay, it's ready. Now come to this banquet. But this is the second time they're receiving the invitation, and, and it's now ready. It's now time for this wedding banquet, this wedding feast. Really, when I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking about evangelism, what the Bible calls evangelism, is this is what it is. It's inviting people to the banquet. Inviting people, men, women, and children, to come to the wedding 
supper, the banquet, the feast, to inviting people to come. And, but, but each one of us needs to make a response, right? It said down there, it's not up there anymore, but there was a little RSVP and you had to RSVP. You, know, you need to let them know, right, if, 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 they're, if you're going to come to this banquet, this ceremony, this wedding, feast. But it said there what? But they refused to come. They refused to come. Like, what is that? You know, if you and I really truly received a royal invitation, just to, to refuse that is, is just not done. It's just not done. If the king invites you to come, you do not refuse. You put yourself in danger, really, in different kinds of ways. But verse 4, look what it says. Then he sent more, some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, and fattened calf have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. I don't know about you, but when you read, when you read what, it was, what he's saying here, this is like something that is so good. This is something that's so exciting. Something that it's not like uh, just, just to... Uh, you know, the, just to think about the alternative, but think about what the plan is here, that he's got this thing prepared. And this is, this is now the third invitation, right? The one he sent before, the second one they refused. Now the, the third invitation, when someone keeps inviting you, what does that tell you? They really want you to come and, and share this time with them. It's important. And it's good, and he's got all these great things planned, right? He's got all this food. He's got all this, this uh, you know, preparation that's taken place, and everything is ready. I don't know about you, but <clears throat> when, you, when, when you get invited to a wedding, uh, a wedding, and really it's the reception they really want to know about, but, you know, you have to send the thing back, and you've got to check the little thing. Well, what are you going to eat? Are you going to eat the, you know, and then you can see. They're only having fried chicken? What? Oh, prime rib. Okay, yeah. Oh, cod? Oh, stuffed cod. Oh, yeah, okay. You know, we look at these things, and, and if you really, you know, of course, it's all about the dollars and the cents for us, but, but, but for God Almighty, right? He has an unlimited budget, right? And so he's talking about a feast here. He's, he's, the oxen and the fattened cattle have been butchered. Everything is ready. They've prepared this huge meal. And uh, if you can just think for a minute for what your very, very favorite meal is on this planet, then think about what that's going to be like. Think about having that there, but by the very, very best chef in all the world. I mean, you can go have chicken somewhere, right? And then you can go somewhere and have chicken. You know what I mean? And it's a pleasurable thing. I think it's sometimes too pleasurable. I mean, we have to fight against the food thing, you know, some of us. But, God, but to think about what he's prepared for you and I, for, for the human race. One commentator said that the king in this parable had long ago sent out his invitations, but it was not until everything was prepared that the final summons was issued and insultingly refused. I don't know why they would refuse. Chance after chance, we saw in the last study. This is a feast, and it's ready, and he's done all the work. He's done everything. You don't have to come and, and pitch in. You don't have to bring something. It's not a potluck dessert or anything like that. 
We do that here. We don't have to do that there. We, we just come. We just show up. David Guzik said that all things are ready is the message of the gospel. And he's a pastor in Calvary Chapel in Santa Barbara, California. He says, you don't come to God's feast and prepare your own meal. He has made it ready for you. You come to receive. You come simply to receive what he's done. You don't have to pitch in. You don't have to, you know, earn it. You don't have to, you know, give a lot of money. Nowadays, it's, it's so expensive to have weddings. You know, the people that are having weddings, and I, and I don't know if you know this, but, you know, working with people and, and, and to, to get their weddings and marriages and their receptions all together, many times you hear this, they're planning on people giving gifts to help them pay for the reception that they're going to have. That is sad. Number one, that it's so expensive. Number two, that they, they, they have to do that. Because really, when, when this is off the subject, but um, I won't charge you any extra for it. But when, when you give a gift at a wedding, you want it to be for the couple. You want it to be for them, for their new life together, right? That they might be able to you know, build an, a home uh, together, a house, a, a life together. Not to pay for the meal, that you, you might as well just, they charge you at the door. Okay, that'll be, you know, twelve ninety five per person. What's that got to do with anything? We don't got to pay. We can't pay. There's no amount of money we could ever pay at the wedding feast, the banquet that God's preparing for you and I. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't care for it. He, he just wants our hearts. He just wants our willingness to come. And to give ourselves completely to him. And, and, and this, is what, this is what it is. But look in verse 5. But they paid no attention and they went off. One to his field. Another to his business. Responses to this invitation. And, and, and we see it in, in just life where people are invited to come and, and be a part of the banquet. Invited to the feast. And, and all different kinds of responses. And, and what's the response that we see here? What do you think? What is it? Indifference. Did you read my notes? Indifference. Apathy. They didn't care. Someone said they had far more interest in earthly matters and material things than spiritual things. Someone else said it's very easy for a man to be so busy with the things of time he forgets the things of eternity. To be so preoccupied with the things that are seen that he forgets the things which are unseen. Oh, I've got to go to my field. I've got to go to my business and our jobs and our work. These things are important. We need to do these things. But if those things become all, we are in trouble. If we become apathetic to the invitation that God has for us each and every day and, and ultimately to, to enter into the kingdom and, and uh, share this feast with Him, we're in trouble. Turn with me to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, Jesus talked about a great banquet. But look what it says in verse 15. A similar parable. Some believe it's a, a variation of the same. Some think it's a completely different parable. But there, there are some similarities and some differences. In verse 15, though, look what it says. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to those who had been invited. Come, for everything is now ready. 
But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field. I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Excuses, excuses, excuses. We all have them, don't we? People have excuses. You know why? I'm, I'm kind of busy right now. I'm, I'm doing a lot of things. I'm trying to build this business. And, you know, when, when things kind of let up a little bit, I will pay attention to spiritual things. I will go back to church. I will go to church. I'll listen. I'll, I'll open my Bible. This guy, one guy bought a, bought a field. And for us today, it would be just like buying what? Buying a house. And, you know, when you buy a house, it's just like there's work and work and more work. He says, the, another guy, he said, you know, I, I, I've just got five yoke of oxen. And we don't have oxen here, although in India we do, right? Everybody still, you see them on the streets everywhere. But for us, it would be like what? Having a car, get this new car. I just got this new car and I've got to go drive it. Sunday, after, Sunday mornings is the best time to go out for a drive in my brand new car. So I got to get out. I got to see what this baby will do, right? What about the one that just got married? Ooh, relationships. Relationships keep you from answering the call to follow after Jesus? It's true. We've seen it. Do marriage counseling, and they're all excited, and they're, they're there all the time. And, and because, you know, they, they know that if, if we're doing marital, premarital counseling with them, they know that they got to be there. And then right after they get married, then we don't see them anymore. Like, what? What happened? Why were you here in the first place? Was it so that you could just get the marriage? Keeps us from the feast, the banquet, the marriage supper. What's our excuse? And we have them, don't we? You know what? We, there, there's, there's kind of two ways to look at this. One, the, 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 you know, the surrendering and receiving that invitation and, and receiving the Lord Jesus into our lives and, and, and being born again that we might have eternal life. But, but I think there's also a sense of each and every day when we're invited to the feast. We're invited to spend time with him. We're invited to, to sup with him. Taste and see the Lord is good each and every day. Oh, well, I'm kind of busy right now. Oh, I got to go, you know, over here. I got to go do that. So many things are pulling at us for time. We had a, our, in our huddle up in, in New Hampshire uh, <clears throat> for Calvary Chapels, which we have every October, uh, our guest speaker said, you know, he, and he's a pastor of a huge church in New Jersey. Huge church. But, you know, he said, you know what, I don't care what I got to prepare for. I don't care how many Bible studies I'm doing. And there's, you know, I don't know, there's 10,000 or 8,000. I don't know how many thousands of people are there. He said, but, but, you know, my time with Jesus is the most important thing. And he said, he said these words. He says, my time with Jesus, that time is non-negotiable non-negotiable. That means it doesn't matter. This is something that I, that I, have, that I have in my life that, that, that I can't let all these other things. And when you have a church that big, you're very busy, right? It's like a huge, huge job. He says it's non-negotiable to sit at the feet of Jesus, to eat from that feast that he gives to us 
the banquet that he has for us each and every day. More responses, verse 6. The rest seized his servants back in Matthew 22, mistreated them, and killed them. Now, the, the first response is a more passive. You just don't do anything, right? You just don't, ha- don't make a response. Apathy, you just don't do anything. This is a much more active response where they're actually violently persecuting, violently uh, reacting to the gospel message. And, and if you have shared with people in your life, you'll see that some people just do not want to know and they'll actually get violent with you. Maybe they won't physically attack you, although in some places of the world that is happening for sure. People respond to the invitation in many, many different ways. This is a very violent way that that we see here to this invitation. And, And was it, you know, this is a good thing, right? He's inviting them to a good thing, this banquet, this feast. But Look at verse 7. It says, the king was enraged and he sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. The king was snubbed. His royal invitation was rejected. But we see here, even in the parable, that the, the choices that these had made, the responses they made, they, they brought consequences. Consequences. They brought judgment. Some see in this uh, verse here a connection with this and the destruction of Jerusalem, which happened um, about, what, about 35, 40 years later in 70 A.D., right? Look at verse 8. It doesn't stop there, though. It says, Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. He said, Go to the street corners, invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests by their own choice and response. And, of course, a big part of this parable as uh, in previous parables was the, the, the Jewish people, the Jewish nation rejecting the gospel. And, and Paul said, you know, that he would go to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. So there's a sense here too, you know, they rejected and, and the gospel is now, is now free to go to all the world. Of course, the gospel was always for all the world, all nations. But here we see, he says, listen, okay, you, re- you choose to reject. You, your response is to reject. Well, uh, he says, go to all places. Invite anyone that you can find. And this is the, the call of the gospel, to send it out to all the world, to go into all the world and preach the good news to whoever will listen. Some will listen, some will care, some will not. And you can always kind of see those that, that have a, a heart to, to listen But he says this so that my house will be full. He has a concern. He has a heart that people would come to the feast. If you read in the book of 2 Peter, Peter says that that the Lord is patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. See, the heart of God is that we would come that we would come to this banquet, that, that, we would, that we would spend eternity with him. So the call is to take the message into all the world, all walks, all nations, all peoples, and that you and I would be ambassadors for Christ. The truth is that God uses people like you and like me. 
as these servants. You and me. It's not just Billy Graham. Every one of us. God uses each and every one of us to be somebody that would give that invitation. And, and, and again, it's a very positive thing. It's a very good thing. I think here, uh, you know, I have been, I have been uh, convicted uh, more and more that we need, every time we meet here, we need to invite people to the feast. Every time we meet. Give each and every one of you an opportunity to partake of the wedding supper, the feast. And so I try to do that. There's a problem here, though, in this parable, as we see as we pick it up there, that there was a problem about what to wear. And, you know, when you get invited to a wedding, especially a very, very fancy wedding, there's always that problem about what are you going to wear, Right? Some people don't really care. Well, I'm just going to wear whatever I have, and that's kind of the way I am about it. But other people, you know, I need to, you know, have the finest. I need to have the perfect clothes. And on the bottom of that invitation, you couldn't read the small print, but there was actually a dress code of what you should wear. They told you what you should wear. Usually you don't see those at the bottom of wedding invitations. But look at verse 11. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. And then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot, throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Whoa. That's pretty heavy stuff, isn't it? Pretty heavy stuff because the guy didn't have the right clothes. You say, why? maybe he couldn't afford it. But the truth is, as, as we see, the, the call was to go out into all these places and the highways and the byways and the street corners. Of course they didn't have the clothes with them. He would provide the clothes at the door. All they had to do was receive them. Again, as we see earlier, as I said earlier, everything was ready. Everything was provided. You did not have to provide anything. The host would provide the garments. You had to put them on, though. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10. I think this is what he's referring to right here. It says, I delight greatly in the Lord, for my soul rejoices in, in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. He has clothed me with garments of salvation, arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. We have got to have his garments of salvation, his robe of righteousness. The clothes we have will never... They will never do. I don't care if you have the finest and finest of clothes. They will never do. Our shabby clothes, our, our, our you know, works of righteousness will never get us in. But Jesus, it says in Romans chapter 3, a righteousness from God apart from law has been made known. And this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And Paul said later in Philippians, he said, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that 
which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. We've got to be clothed with these garments of salvation, but the righteousness, this garment that is provided to us, is found, is received through trusting in Jesus Christ. There's no other way. It's not by law. It's not by doing good things, not by works, not by how much we can give or, or anything like that. It's being clothed with Jesus Christ. But without Him, you can try to go like this guy did. Without Him, you can try to go. You can be in the banquet, but it's not going to work. You will not be allowed to stay without the, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Without Him, it says in these verses here, we'll, we'll be outside, we'll be in darkness, we'll be a place of weeping, a place of gnashing of teeth, separated for all eternity. This is a, a place that the Bible calls hell. I have to speak up at this point, although I want to emphasize the positive aspect of this whole thing is that God is inviting us to a feast. It's not about where we are not going to go. It's about where we are going to go. But I want to say to you that there is a place called hell. There's a, you know, this whole emergent movement is getting worse and worse as they depart from the truth of Scripture. And now the, the latest, one of the, the, the head leaders of the emergent movement has just written a new book, and it's, it's basically saying there is no place called hell. There is no such thing as hell. That we're all going to be okay in the end. Kind of a universal teaching that we're just all going to be okay. It's, it doesn't matter. It's very scary. Someone said this man was like a person who calls himself a Christian, who hears God's word, the person in the parable, not the person I was just speaking about, who does all the right things that are expected of him by those around him, conveys the image of a true believer. It will not be until that coming day of judgment that this mirage of cleanliness and purity is stripped away, and then that person will be seen as an empty vessel with a heart that never knew God. Jesus said it. We've seen it in other places. He says, depart from me. I never knew you unless you know him, have a relationship, a, a true living relationship with him, clothing ourselves with Christ. Verse 14 says, for many are invited, but few are chosen. Many are invited, but few are chosen. Now, you can put your mind all around these, this verse here and... and uh, you know, we see, we see in this parable the, 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 the concept of human responsibility. We also look into this verse and we see this, the, the being chosen and we can talk about the sovereignty of God. And, you know, and I'm just going to read a few different quotes for you and kind of let you think about this for a little bit. But the fact of the matter is, too, and in this parable, I think what we see is that the responsibility of the choices we make is is uttermost and of utmost importance someone said this God calls or invites but only those who answer the call are chosen for blessedness God's sovereignty and human responsibility go hand in hand another person said many are invited but some refuse to come and others who do come refuse to submit to the norms of the kingdom this one guy in the in the not wearing the wedding clothes and are therefore rejected. Those who remain are called chosen. A word implicitly denying that the reversals in the parable in any way 
catch God unawares or remove sovereign grace from his control. Someone else said the ones who were not chosen suffered loss, not because they were not called, but because they did not choose to accept the call. Kind of get some of the different ideas about this? I'm not trying to confuse you. I'm already confused. Just kidding. This parable, one man said, does not mean that God calls a lot of people, picks over them, and keeps only a few. If that were true, the middle of the parable would have no meaning. It means that God calls everyone and gives them the power to respond. But to be chosen, he must respond to the call using the power God gave us for that purpose. I like this as a more of a simple way. I'm kind of simple. Want to find out if you're chosen? Receive Christ and follow him. You'll find out. The different responses to the gospel. David Guzik said this parable demonstrates that those indifferent to the gospel, those antagonistic against the gospel, and those unchanged by the gospel, gospel share the same fate. None of them enjoyed the king's feast. The response. Are we indifferent? Are we antagonistic? Or are we unchanged? One one other quote about this, he says, those who uh, would not come were punished, but their real tragedy was that they lost the joy of the wedding feast. Not that they were punished, that, that, that was bad enough, but he says, if we refuse the invitation of Christ, someday our greatest pain will lie, not in the things we suffer, but in the realization of the precious things we have missed and of which we have cheated ourselves. The worst thing will be there and we'll know. We'll be able to know, I believe, that in, in being separated from God, we will know what we have rejected. Jesus said, or it says in John chapter 1, I should say, He came to that which was His own, but His own did not receive Him. Yet to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. To all who received Him, to those who believed in His name. That's pretty clear. He gave the right to become children of God. Donald uh, Gray Barnhouse, a pastor in Philadelphia for many years, uh, he said this, asked this question. He said, suppose you should die tonight and appear before God in heaven, and he should ask you, what right do you have to come into my heaven? What would you say? And he would use this as a means of, of sharing the gospel with people. And he said he would get three different answers. Number one would be, and we've heard this, perhaps you've heard this, I've done the best I can. I've never done anything real bad. I'm a good person. Have you heard that? The Bible says we've all sinned and we all fall short of God's glory. Maybe like this, par this parable here, uh, people... The second category, they just say, well, I don't know what to say. They're just speechless. They don't say anything. No response. But no response is the same as what? Saying no. No response is no. But the third, he says, are the response of what right do you have to come into my heaven? They answer, none at all. 
But Jesus died for my sins. He gave me his righteousness. I don't have any right to be here at all. But for Jesus. You've been invited. Each one of us have been invited. Maybe you have already received that invitation. You've already RSVP'd and you said, I am there. And not with my clothes, but with the clothes, the clothing that you give me, the garments of salvation, the robe of righteousness, trusting in Jesus Christ. And, and I hope that each and every one of you made that decision. But perhaps there are some of you here that have not made that decision. Today, he's inviting you again. It's again and again and again. We see in, the, in these, this parable and the one before, uh, repeatedly, please, will you come? If you only knew what I have for you, prepared for you, the place that I have prepared for you. Each one of us makes a choice to respond, to receive that invitation. But then for, for those of us that have, I, I, as I said earlier, there's this invitation each and every day where he wants us to come and sup with him and, and, and fellowship with him. Is it a non-negotiable thing for us or is it like, well, if I get everything else done and if I have any time left at the end of the day, if I have any energy left after I do all the things that I want to do, maybe, just maybe, if I get through my you know, seven television programs, maybe, just maybe. You know what? When we do that, we're missing out. We're missing out on some really good food. Really good table. He sets a table. He sets a table that is incredible. But we got to show up. Let's pray together, shall we?